With the preseason finale coming up on Saturday, the Seahawks look to have two of their key cogs returning to the practice field in Jordan Brooks and Jamal Adams. But should fans be tapping the brakes a bit for expectations early in the season with the two star defenders? We'll be breaking it all down on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined, as always, by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening from Medford, Oregon, or over in Bulldogs country in Athens, Georgia. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're drawing closer to the preseason finale in Titletown at Lambeau Field. Seahawks battling the Packers on Saturday. Seattle in the middle of their practice week. We're going to be taking a look at what to watch when the Seahawks are on offense at Lambeau Field and continuing our latest bubble watch series with in or out. We're going to be looking at specific position groups or maybe flex positions and deciding whether one player or the other has a better chance to make the Seahawks 53-man roster for week one. It's a jam-packed episode coming your way courtesy of LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked in NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. There was a lot of bad news yesterday in terms of injuries for the Seahawks. Jackson Smith and Jigba being the most notable one set to have surgery. From what I've been told, that was expected to happen today. I cannot confirm if it actually happened at this time, but I was told he was going to have a surgery on his wrist today. Probably not going to be ready for week one, but we'll wait and see. Pete Carroll and company being optimistic in that regard. But there was some good news that came out yesterday. Jamal Adams has yet to be activated from the pup list, did not participate in walkthroughs today, but it sounds like there's a very good chance by tomorrow that that is going to happen. And number 33 is going to be out there. And Jordan Brooks is now partaking in individual and team drills less than eight months after surgery to repair his torn ACL, which is we've talked about, Rob, it's just incredible. The fact he doesn't have a brace on his knee either. The progress, the rapid recovery they made. This is obviously really good news. It's exciting for Seahawks fans because both these players, when healthy, are true difference makers, especially Adams being a former All-Pro selection. If you have both these guys in the field, they can be game changers on defense, but they are both coming off severe leg injuries. And I think that everybody has to tap the brakes a little bit when we're looking at what to expect from these guys early in the season if they're ready to play in week one. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Uh, I think that it's easy to just assume that once they're back on the field, that they're going to be back playing at, uh, you know, in the case of Jordan Brooks at a first round level, in the case of Jamal Adams at a at an all pro level. And that is going to be a difficult transition, at least early in the season. I think that, you know, we're going to be having a conversation here in a few moments about, you know, just where does Jordan Brooks fit in? You know, in, when he is healthy, when he is playing, you know, in Seattle, of course, brought back Bobby Wagner. They brought in a, a, a former first-round pick in, in Devin Bush, who has looked impressive throughout the preseason. Then with Jamal Adams, you know, you, you, 
since his time in Seattle, he has struggled to make the, the consistent big plays that a normal safety, a traditional safety might make in terms of coverage and things like that. So when he's coming off of a leg injury as serious as the one that he is, then then what can Seahawks expect about that? To me, one of the things that was interesting is you kind of built up on, on, on that conversation here is about Jamal Adams and the fact that the Seahawks today went through a walkthrough. If Jamal Adams was not medically cleared enough to go through a walkthrough today, then just how close is he? As optimistic as Pete Carroll is, you know, that's just kind of his nature. It does kind of, I think, give us a reason to tap the brakes a little bit. And with the expectations of whether Jamal Adams or Jerem Brooks or either of them are going to be able really to be able to come in in week one against the L.A. Rams and be able to make the impact that a lot of people are just assuming is going to happen once they get back onto the field. Yeah, these injuries, we're talking about ACL tears and torn quad tendons, especially a torn quad tendon. That is a significant injury that doesn't happen often. It's a fairly rare injury for football players especially. But both these injuries, just because you are healthy enough to get back on the field and you pass your physical and you're moving well, that doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to return to whatever your pre-injury form was. And we saw it last year. Quandre Diggs was coming off of a fractured ankle, which – Yeah, that's still a significant injury, but that is not as tricky to come back from as either one of the injuries that Brooks and Adams are coming back from. And it took him several weeks in the regular season to really find his footing again. He finished the year playing at a very high level and earned another Pro Bowl nod. He earned that with four picks in the last seven games, but he wasn't his usual self early in the season. He has admitted that a lot of it was just how condensed his off season was just trying to get ready. And these guys are getting onto the field much later than Diggs. He was ready to go for the start of training camp a year ago. So I think we do have to take a look at the situation and realize they may be able to play some snaps for you in week one or week two, but I don't think that either one of these guys is going to be ready to just chuck them into the lineup and have them play 90-plus percent of the snaps. And as you mentioned, we touched on this yesterday in the mailbag segment, particularly at the linebacker spot, just to do some very basic schematic stuff to kind of just point this, uh, illustrate this point here. Looking at a 3-4 defense like the one that the Seahawks are running, you're going to have two inside off-ball linebackers. So Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks or Devin Bush is going to be on the field in those situations. But I think that we expect, Rob, that that's not going to be their base defense with the uh, investment they've made at the safety position in the last few years, especially Julian Love now coming in. If you've got a healthy Jamal Adams, you've got Quandre Diggs, They're going to be playing a lot of three safety looks. They have Devin Witherspoon coming back soon, and he can play nickel or outside. You're going to want to have him on the field. You've got this really deep cornerback group. So I would anticipate that we're going to see a lot of nickel sets maybe as their base defense. And if you're seeing this on YouTube, our viewers, you can see there is only one off-ball linebacker, and it's Bobby Wagner in this case with Brooks and and Bush being behind him on the depth chart. And the same thing happens in their dime packages, Rob. We expect plenty of six defensive back sets. And, oh, look in the middle, there's only one linebacker. So this favors somebody like Jamal Adams a lot more to get snapped on the field. I don't know what you do with Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush when Bobby Wagner, the way he played last year, the way he's looked in camp, he is going to be your starting linebacker. If they're in a lot of nickel and dime sets, Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush are going to be on the sidelines most likely 
because they're only going to have one linebacker out there. So it does create some interesting conundrums here for Clint Hurt, Pete Carroll, and the rest of the coaching staff trying to figure out what to do with all these guys are ready to play. And at the same time, it does allow them to ease players back in coming back from injuries because they have insurance they've added and schematically they're going to be able to be more flexible. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing is the flexibility is the point that I would make here is that it is a conundrum, but it's one that I think that the Seahawks coaches have want, you know, frankly, I mean, you got Bobby Wagner and all due respect to the future Hall of Famer. Part of the reason why he was not in Seattle a year ago was because he struggled in pass coverage. The LA Rams, I think, recognized that and send him as a blitzer a little bit more often than he was in Seattle. And I think that Bobby Wagner's pride was hurt a little bit. And I think that he just played at a different level this past season with the Rams. But Devin Bush and Jordan Brooks are, are, are two absolutely dynamic athletes. And again, in the case of Jordan Brooks, you have to kind of prove that on the field that he is 100% back. But I, I do question, I, I am curious to see how Seattle is going to use this rotation. For those of you who aren't watching on YouTube or just listening, and thank you to all of you who listen and watch, of course. But uh, as Corbin was trying to, was illustrating here in the graphics, when Seattle is in that kind of base defense where you're going to have two inside linebackers, and of course, Bobby Wagner is going to be one of those starters. And it, I think it's going to be Devin Bush at least initially and then if Jordan Brooks when he proves his health maybe he is going to be able to push Devin Bush and be able to get past him and be the other starter but to your point Corbin I mean so many of the of the teams that the Seahawks are going to be facing up against are going to operate in three receiver sets four receiver sets and so you are going to see a lot of nickel and dime looks where there is only going to be the one linebacker out there to me what's going to be interesting is how does Seattle distribute those snaps do they view Bobby Wagner as the guy and he is the guy no matter what every single time if there's only one off-ball linebacker on on the field, then it's number 54. No, no questions asked. Or do they view him as a little bit of a liability in coverage and see a guy like a Jordan Brooks or a Devin Bush with perhaps their better straight line speed at this point in their relative careers that maybe they might be that coverage linebacker at this point. To me, that's one of the fun things about this is because you do feel very confident. You have three guys who have proven themselves to be solid starters in the NFL and in the case of Bobby Wagner, much more than just solid. Um, but where do they get their snaps? And of course, it's a long, long season. The Seahawks are not just planning for September. They are playing for January and February. So that, to me, is one of the most encouraging signs or encouraging developments of the Seahawks this year as opposed to last year, where it felt like the depth at linebacker basically dropped off a cliff. Whereas now, I feel like Seattle has three legitimate starters at that spot. And so they can just handle the attrition that is going to come over the course of a long regular season. Yeah, and I think that that's really the silver lining here. Even if Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks in week one are not able to play or they only play limited snaps, Seattle did invest money in Devin Bush and Julian Love, two guys who have started a lot of football games in the NFL are still fairly young players that have room to grow. And so they have positioned themselves, it's flexibility again. But it is going to be interesting to see if all these guys are healthy, how they try to mix and match snaps, or do they just go with the uh, incumbents, so to speak. I mean, Bobby Wagner has played in Seattle a long time. He wasn't here last year, but do you go with him and Jamal Adams? And that's it. Those guys are playing extensively. They're playing 95-plus percent of the snaps. Or do they do more rotating because of the injuries, the age, and different factors? When we come back, we're going to be looking at six 
different pairs of players battling for a final roster spot with the Seahawks and playing a little bit of bubble watch in or out. It's going to be really fun. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by Bird Dogs. Putting it simply, Bird Dogs makes you look and feel good. You won't want to take them off. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. Unlike regular shorts, Bird Dogs aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton, keeping you comfortable year-round. Take my word for it, whether I'm heading to L.A. to cover a tough road game or chilling in my house preparing for a podcast, I'm always sporting Bird Dog shorts and joggers because they are extremely comfortable, don't restrict movement while keeping a slim look, and the sweat-wicking fabric keeps me cool and dry all day long, no matter the elements. I can't recommend Bird Dogs enough. You'll want to wear them all day, every day. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedNFL or enter the promo code LockedNFL for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedNFL or promo code LockedNFL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s tuning in for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it for our everydayers out there coming up tomorrow. We'll look at what to watch from the Seahawks on defense against the Green Bay Packers, and it's going to be a jam-packed Thursday episode. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to our latest bubble watch, shall we? And we try to mix this up week in, week out, take some different viewpoints. And today we decided to do a pairing uh, competition, so to speak. Six different pairs of players, three on the offensive side of the football three on defense. And Rob, I don't know that all teams handle this way, but I can tell you from discussions I've had that this is typically how these discussions for final roster spots go. You usually have two different players that you compare and say, okay, this guy did this, this guy did this. Which one has a better fit for our team? Which position is a more urgent need for us to have another player? There's discussions that happen. And so we're going to be having similar conversations here looking at wide receivers, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, a number of position groups where there may be bubble watch players. So let's get started here, Rob. Our first one, we got to start at receiver with Jackson Smith and Jigba's uh, injury news from yesterday. And we've got Matt Landers back on the practice field today. So that's good news for the Seahawks. Going up against Kay Johnson, who returned to the practice field yesterday. Both of them are expected to play against the Packers. So Rob, bubble watch here, in or out, Matt Landers or Kay Johnson. If you had to pick one of these two, who do you think makes the 53-man roster in week one and why? Well, you didn't exactly start off with the easy one for me, Corbin. I think that this is <laughs> this is one of the more complicated conversations that we're going to have because they are, of course, wide receivers. But at the same time, talking about one guy who's six foot four and an absolute blazer, a vertical threat, and the other guy was more of a slot receiver, more more of a of a return man rather than being the gunner on special teams. And I mentioned special teams because normally, in some of the conversations we've had before. One player plays on special teams, the other one does not. 
I'm going to go with Kay Johnson right now as being the player who I think has the likelier chance of making Seattle's roster at this point. And the reason why I say that is because I do feel that he is just the more polished player right now. And with the injury to Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think that the Seahawks have to be a little bit cognizant of the possibility that they may need to, may need to play one of these players earlier than perhaps they expected prior to the injury, again, to their first round selection, JSN. So that's why I'm going to go with, with uh, Kay Johnson. I think that he is the better, cleaner route runner at this point. I think that he gives you a little bit of, of flexibility in terms of his returning. But again, acknowledging that Matt Landers has incredible upside to him. And we, of course, with every case that we're going to be talking about here, we're having this conversation prior to the Seahawks' final preseason game where I expect all of these players to have their final opportunity. And so I would not be surprised at all if things flip here just three four days it's possible that both these players could be on the week one roster because of smith and jigba and derek young both yeah. having injuries Thompson too. yeah there, there's a number of injuries here that the seahawks are dealing with at this position but if i had to pick between these two right now if we were having this discussion three days ago i would probably be leaning towards landers just because you have jackson smith and jigba and Jake Bobo can also run routes from the slot. But you don't have that smooth route runner with great quickness right now, maybe for the first two or three games potentially with Jackson Smith and Jigba being out. And Kate Johnson, we saw last year the chemistry that he has with Geno Smith. He had three catches in the playoff loss to the 49ers. He had two clutch first down receptions in that finale win over the Rams. So he is a natural slot receiver. He is the most natural replacement that Seattle has among these numerous receivers that are on the lower part of the depth chart. He is the most natural fit to fill that role, similar to the way that Jackson Smith and Jigba does. So I think that this is fairly easy with Kate Johnson here, but I think there's a chance both these guys, if they're both healthy, can be on the roster because of the injuries the Seahawks are dealing with at that position. Let's go to the flex spot, a little bit of fantasy lingo here for this particular exercise. And this is two players that maybe are on the outside looking in, but it does feel like every year, Rob, that there's a player that comes out of nowhere that makes this team, at least the initial roster. Running back, Sir Roderick Thompson Jr. or receiver and kick returner, Tyjon Lindsay. Which one of these two players do you think has the better chance to sneak onto the week one roster? Well, again, as I mentioned before with Kate Johnson, I, I think that there's a possibility that Tajon Lindsay, because of his return ability, because of the slot ability, is able to, to create a spot for himself. Sir Roderick Thompson, however, I think really has kind of taken the bull by the horn, so to speak. And, and the the fact that Seattle waived uh, Bryant Kobach, the, the running back from Toledo uh, earlier today on, on August 23rd, I think that that is a, you know, a, a little bit of a sign that the Seahawks are, are encouraged by what they saw from Sir Roger Thompson. And I was as well. I was very impressed with how he performed against the Dallas Cowboys with the questions that you have. Ken Walker, of course, is expected to be back. Kenny McIntosh is expected to be back. But as it stands right now, again, on August 23rd, I'm going to go with Roger Thompson and a little bit of an upset for myself because, again, I've been very impressed with what I saw from Tajon Lindsay in basically a you know, very impressive, splashy performance against the Dallas Cowboys in week two of the preseason. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tajon Lindsay as my pick on this one, which this is another one four or five days ago. 
I probably would. This would be a tough one for me because I don't see Sir Roderick Thompson making the team either. I think he is now clearly the favorite to be your practice squad running back. And if Kenny McIntosh isn't ready for week one, then there's a chance the Seahawks may try to have him on their roster. So it's possible that he could be on the team. But you mentioned this yesterday, Rob. We still have question marks in the return game with Godwin Igwebuke not being brought back and DJ Dallas and now Jackson Smith and Jigba being hurt. He was getting some looks back there. Struggled a little bit with the whether I should return or not issue back there. Tyjon Lindsay had a 30-plus yard return, and he's very quick. He's explosive. And with the injuries at receiver, special teams is going to be key for one of those last depth chart spots. And Lindsay has shown, dating back to his time at Oregon State, that he has the electricity to be effective returning kicks and punts. So at least early in the season, while Smith and Jigma's out, it's possible that Lindsay could be one of those surprise guys that does sneak on the – team because of the injuries opening the door for him so I would go Lindsay here even though I am a big fan of Sir Roger Thompson I've liked what I've seen I just don't think there's a spot for him at that running back position now we're gonna have some real fun here this is because of the rule changes that the NFL instituted with a third quarterback being allowed without counting against the 46th man limit do the Seahawks hold an extra quarterback in Holton Aylers, or do they hold an extra offensive lineman in Jalen McKenzie? And I think this is the discussion that a number of teams in the league are going to be having this year. No, no question about it. They absolutely have. And, and that's one of the reasons why, again, I think that this uh, this uh, opportunity against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, um, I think is really going to help determine whether or not the Seahawks feel that they have a young third quarterback here who can, you know, uh, can, can help the team win a game. Um, or if they should be bringing back an extra offensive lineman, Jalen McKenzie. I'm going to go with McKenzie at this point just because I love the positional versatility that he's demonstrated going back to his days at USC. Uh, he's played on the left and right side. He's played at tackle as well as guard. I like the size. I like the, the power. I like the, the, the functional athleticism. I, I Again, though, I am acknowledging certainly that Holden Aylers has a great deal of upside, and if he is able to walk into Lambeau and, and will the Seahawks to a victory in a game, I think it's going to be a real test for the Seahawks. Um, just expecting that Green Bay is going to play a significant number of their starters. And we know that they're going to be starting the quarterback, Jordan Love. The the head coach has already said that. If that is the case and Holton Aylers is able to excel in in a third consecutive preseason game, I think you got to go with the quarterback. But as it stands right now, again, August 23rd, I'm going with the offensive lineman, Jalen McKenzie. I'm going to go with Holton Aylers just because of that third quarterback rule. I think Pete Carroll is going to be having some internal discussions with his other coaches and with the front office members about that possibility in case you have a catastrophic situation where both Geno Smith and Drew Lott get banged up in the same game. That's the only way that that third quarterback can get into the lineup. But having that insurance policy and a guy that can both throw the ball and run the ball, I think that that extra quarterback, that's going to be something that's at least going to intrigue Pete Carroll. I don't know that either one of these guys has a chance to make the team, but in this particular scenario of the two, I think the third quarterback is the one that's more likely for the Seahawks because of that new rule and how important the quarterback position is. Let's get to defense real quick. And Rob, this is going to be the one that's going to bother me the most in this simulation here. Two of the top undrafted rookies for the Seahawks in training camp of the preseason Bubble watch, in or out, Jacob Sykes or Levi Bell? Well, I think if you want to go off of who's been the more productive player, you got to go with Bell. 
if you look at body types and the way the NFL works, you got to go with Jacob Sykes. And so that's the way I'm going to go right now with Jacob Sykes. I think there is a strong possibility that both these players wind up making Seattle's roster just because if pass rushers impact defensive linemen are worth their weight in gold in today's NFL, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Seattle just managed their cat or managed their roster in some way to make sure that both of these undrafted free agents make their roster. This is another one where injuries are going to play heavily into my response here because at least for right now, knock on wood, the edge rushing group is fully healthy other than Daryl Taylor, and he's going to be back very soon. The interior line, though, Jaron Reed apparently did not practice today. I've been told it's nothing significant, but he did not practice. And Mike Morris, we don't know how long he's going to be out. He had a shoulder procedure, according to Pete Carroll. You are going to need depth in the interior. So I'm going to go with Jacob Sykes, too, and – I want both these guys to be on this football team, making it very clear. I think both of them have earned roster spots, but just this is another one. It's position-based, and Seattle's got so much depth and talent, the edge rushing group, and then the interior D-line, they need bodies. Jacob Sykes is an athletic guy that fits that three-tech role, so I have Sykes on this one too. Let's go to the linebacker position. You said Seattle's got a little better depth there. Ben Burkirvin making his remarkable comeback. Does it finish with him being on the roster in week one? or upstart undrafted rookie Patrick O'Connell, who got the start against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm as inspired by BBK's recovery as just about anybody. And uh, I certainly love what I've seen from Patrick O'Connell as well. I, I think that, you know, frankly, the two players that we just mentioned a moment ago, Jacob Sykes and, uh, you know, and Levi Bell, I think would make this roster over either of these two players. However, in, in the spirit of the conversation that we're having right now, one player or the other, I'm actually going to go with Patrick O'Connell. He's the younger player that, as you mentioned, uh, has started for the Seahawks, at least in the in the preseason. Again, I think that the, these are two players that are kind of on the outside looking in at this point. I really am fascinated with how they perform against the Green Bay Packers offense. That Everybody remembers Aaron Rodgers and what they were able to do, but it is the combination of Aaron Jones and, and and the big guy from from BC um, that is, uh, you know, is really what their running game is all about at this point. And so that should allow the Seahawks linebackers to create uh, a, a great deal of production, make this a, fa a fascinating game to evaluate. Love BBK, and I hope he ends up on the practice squad because you want to have a guy like that that has played in games available as an insurance policy. But O'Connell just has more athletic upside, and he also has rushed off the edge before. There's just more versatility there. This one would not be a difficult decision for me. I think both of them are going to have a hard time making the team, but I just think you got to go with the youth and the upside and a guy that unfortunately, uh, in BBK's case, has not had severe injuries that kept him out of the league for a couple years. O'Connell has a pretty clean bill of health, so that would go into my decision-making process. And we've talked about this one a lot, Rob, real quick. Jonathan Sutherland versus Jarek Reed II. It feels like this is one that has really been on a teeter-totter going back and forth, trying to figure out who's going to make this football team. It does. And again, I think that Seattle's depth at safety is among the best in all of the NFL. And I think that you got to kind of manage your roster and the talent that's actually in front of you. I feel strongly that if either Jonathan Sutherland or Jarek Reed get released, then there's going to be some other club out there who's going to snatch them right up. So I think there's a possibility that both these players stick. However, again, sticking with the context of this conversation, I'm going to go with Jonathan Sutherland. I think if you threw out the draft selection, then Jonathan 
Jonathan Sutherland has been the better, more impactful player for the Seahawks throughout the preseason, throughout training camp, at least a couple of days that I was there. So to me, that's the player that you got to go with. Um, Jarek Reed, again, I think he's a good football player, and I want to see what he's able to do once he doesn't have that kind of deer in the headlights kind of look that I've kind of sensed from him so far. I love the speed. I love the physicality. I love who he is as a person, at least what I've been able to see from that as well. But again, for me right now, I'm going with Jonathan Sutherland if I had to choose between these two players. This is a business where you have to constantly reevaluate and reassess things. So those of you that listen to the show daily, again, we greatly appreciate it. You may have heard me last week when we had this discussion. I said Jared Reed II would be the one that I would take because of the positional versatility that he brings. But I'm changing my mind right now just based on the fact that Jared Reed II, you mentioned deer in the headlights. That's what I'm seeing out there, particularly with the tackling. He did not have issues tackling in college, but he has had all kinds of trouble in these first two preseason games, missing tackles, leaving him on the field. The coverage has been really good. I still like his chances of making this team, but if I had to pick one or the other right now, I'm actually leaning towards Sutherland because I just think he's been more reliable, particularly in the tackling aspect and on special teams. And so I've changed my tune on this. I'm going Sutherland here. I'd like to see both these guys stick around, at least on the practice squad, though, because I do think Jarek Reed still has a ton of upside and just needs some time here to kind of get his feet underneath him a little bit. But Sutherland has been impressive. Coming up next, we're going to look at what to watch when the Seahawks battle the Packers in Green Bay on the offensive side of the football. Don't go away. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When I was a site manager, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions to land top candidates, and they made the process easy and seamless. All you have to do is create your job post and add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked in NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked in NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got the preseason finale coming up on Saturday in Green Bay, the first road test for the Seahawks in 2023. Let's start diving into that matchup. And you mentioned this earlier, Rob, that at least based on reports out there and what's been said by the coaches, Green Bay is expected to play a number of their starters in this game, including Jordan Love, and he needs the experience. He hasn't played very much since coming into the league, but that means this is going to be an interesting test for the Seahawks on the road, playing against some starter caliber players, and Green Bay still got plenty of talent even after trading Aaron Rodgers. Looking on the offensive side of the football, what is the first thing you're going to be watching in this game for the Seahawks? 
Well, from the offensive side of the football, I want to see if Seattle is going to be able to create a little bit more consistent push in the running game than I saw a week ago against the Dallas Cowboys backups. And there were certainly some splashy plays. We saw the big run from Zach Charbonnet. I believe that went for 29 yards. But the other three or four runs that I saw him attempt netted basically a yard per rush. And, and that's just not going to cut it. Uh, and, and I thought the Charbonnet played well. I just thought that Seattle's starting offensive line really struggled to get any kind of movement. And if the Cal or if the Dallas, <laughs> if the Green Bay Packers start as many players as their head coaches kind of talked about, um, then I think that it's going to be, again, a very stiff test for the Seahawks. And you look at the, the Green Bay Packers when they are starting all of their starters. Uh, their, their two corners, for example, Jair Alexander um, and Razul Douglas, they were the only tandem in all of the NFL that had four interceptions apiece. And so whoever is going to be playing at the quarterback position, whether it be Holt Nailers, whether it be Geno Smith or Drew Locke, then they are going to be thrown into a hornet's nest. And so it's going to be critical that Seattle protects and critical that they get a little bit of a running game to protect their quarterback and to be able to demonstrate whether or not a rookie or a running back like a Sir Roderick Thompson is going to be able to carve out a spot for himself. So again, the offensive line to me is going to be absolutely something to watch. Green Bay Packers reinforce along the defensive line and their front seven as well as any club. Their top, their first round pick this year was a guy that I talked about a lot on the Lockdown CX podcast leading up to the draft and Lucas Van Ness. Quay Walker was their pick a year ago. He led the Packers in tackles and forced fumbles a year ago. So the Green Bay Packers are young. They're hungry on defense. It's going to be a significant test for the Seahawks' young offensive line to be able to show that they can gel, move people off the, off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, the line of scrimmage is going to be important. But when we're talking about the third preseason game, at least traditionally since they moved down from four games to three, this has become the fourth preseason game for most teams. I do not expect to see any Geno Smith or Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. We might not see very many of their offensive line starters, if any of them in this game. Going on past trends, Seattle has just thrown their second stringers in and made this an extended audition for the players that are battling for bottom of the roster spots. And so I expect we're going to see Drew Locke, especially because he had a shorter stint last game than what Seattle planned. But it is going to be the Holt Naylor show. This is... Game number three in the preseason. Pete Carroll loves what this kid brings to the table. So I'm eager to see air it out. Aylers playing backyard football. Those of you that are baseball fans, one of my favorite movies out there is The Sandlot. I think Holton Aylers plays football with that kind of energy. He's kind of got that backyard football, backyard brawl mentality. The way he runs the football creates uh, improvisation with the football in his hands, both passing and running. And I have a feeling he's going to be playing a large chunk in this game. Green Bay will have their starters out after a short while. So he is going to get a lot of his reps against reserves as well. But this is a chance for him to keep slinging the ball downfield, making exciting plays happen with his legs, and just doing the things that he did throughout his college career at East Carolina. He's a dynamic playmaker. He's going to be looking to put more exciting plays on tape not just for the Seahawks, but for other teams that may be looking to add quarterback depth going into the regular season. What's one other thing that jumps out to you on the offense side of the ball that you are looking forward to seeing in this football game? 
Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, I, I really have a great deal of respect for the Green Bay Packers pass rush, their their uh, secondary play, the crowd. Um, and, and so whether it be Holden Aylers or whoever is going to be throwing into that, then I, I'm just curious to see who of the Seahawks wide receivers and tight ends is able to kind of step up and be able to play well. We, we've talked so much about Jake Bobo that it just feels like now he's a lock to make this roster. But now he's not only going to be playing significant time, he's going to be looked at to perhaps be the leader if there is no DK Metcalf if there is no Tyler Lockett in this game as you uh, I think probably very likely projected here then again are they are these wide receivers able to get open um, and to be able to give Seattle any type of a, of a real threat on offense. Uh, otherwise, are they going to be basically sitting there on the sidelines like Wendy Peppercorn and, and you know in, in the Sandlot? Um, they're, they're going to have. I, I think that they are going to be something that the Seahawks need to watch, need to evaluate here because as impressive as a guy again like a Jake Bobos or the flashes that we've seen from a Matt Landers, a Aesop Winston, a whoever the case might be. To me, I think you have a group of about four or five wide receivers here. We just had this conversation a couple of moments ago. Who was able to get free and catch fire here in this particular game that might force the CX to kind of reevaluate? Because right now it feels like it's Jake Bobo and everybody else. And I want to see if there's going to be one of these slot receivers, especially um, that is able to kind of make a name for themselves in uh, you know the, the, the dangerous place that is Lambeau Field. I posted this on social media earlier today, and if you would have told me that I was going to be tweeting this, I'm still going to call it Twitter. I don't care what it's named right now. But if you would have told me a couple weeks ago that I was going to tweet Jake Bobo shouldn't play in the preseason finale, (laughs) I would have been laughing. But that's exactly what I tweeted this morning. I am not playing him against the Green Bay Packers because Jackson Smith and Jigba is out. Jarek Young is out. You need to keep him healthy. You have seen enough. He's not going to show you anything he hasn't shown in the practice field or in these first two preseason games. So going off what you said, I think this is a game for somebody like a Tyjon Lindsay, as we mentioned, if he can make some big plays on special teams and contribute in the receiving game. Aesop Winston didn't get to play last week, had a really good first preseason game. Can you get some of the momentum back? Is Cody Thompson going to be available? He's missed practice the first two days here, and he needs those game reps to try to secure a roster spot, especially since he missed all of last season. And there's a few other players like John Hall, who blocked a punt last week. You know, those are the kind of players that we are going to be looking at in this football game. I, Jake Bobo probably will play, but I'm just saying my opinion. I don't think he should. I think you just make sure he's in bubble wrap, be ready for week one, because he is going to be getting some snaps without Jackson Smith and Jigba being being available. As far as my last thing to watch, piggybacking a little bit off of what you said with the offensive line, but I'm looking more in general, not just the run game. I want to see what the backup tackles have in store. In particular, can Forsyth rebound? Can he turn the stone in the right direction? Because I have not been impressed with how he has played in these first couple preseason games. I feel like the third-year tackle has taken a little bit of a step backwards. He was a little better against the Dallas Cowboys, but again, I talked about this yesterday. It seems like when he gets beat, he gets beat really bad, and he has a hard time recovering. I haven't seen consistency in the run game. Leverage issues at 6'8 continue to be a problem, have been for him, and I don't know that that's something he's going to be able to get past completely because he's 6'8". I mean, that's just really difficult to do at that height to get low enough to be able to consistently create push in the run game, but he's a great athlete for a player of his size. I expect him to be able to handle pass rushers 
better than what he has these first two games. So can he play better and finish on a strong note to the preseason? Because if he keeps playing the way that he has, I think he's on this roster, but he's put himself in a bit of a tenuous spot, especially if there's a quality tackle that's released by another team and Seattle decides to go that route. Uh, he could have his days being numbered here. I don't want to over-exaggerate this. He needs to play better, especially if Green Bay is going to be playing some of their starters. I expect he's going to play a lot in this game. I want to see a strong performance from Stone Forsythe at Lambeau Field. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, we'll look at what to watch on defense when the Seahawks battle the Packers in their preseason finale. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.